This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Warning, the following programme contains very strong language, adult humour and stories which may not be appropriate to younger listeners throughout. The opinions expressed in this programme are those of the individuals and not those of Mansfield Matters or any of the organisations connected to the Mansfield Matters branded projects. Well, hello and welcome to a brand new series here on Mansfield Matters, the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. The season may well be over with, but that doesn't mean that us three, well us four really, aren't going to be here week in and week out bringing you some Mansfield Town content. Alongside me, as always, the Mansfield Matters regulars, Simon Mercer and Mr Nathan Edge. And behind the camera, we've not got rid of him, we can't shake him off as much as we've tried, Mr Cam Felton is there as well. He'll probably shout up and you'll be able to hear him. Ish. Ish. This is a brand new series, as we say, one we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks, where... We are going to meet up with former footballers, former players and managers of Mansfield Town FC and take a trip down memory lane, all in the name of charity. We are raising money for the Alzheimer's Society, who do fantastic work working with people who sadly spend their lives living with dementia, one of which, of course, former Mansfield Town legend, Mr Kevin Bird. If you want to donate to us, then we'll leave the links in the description and everything for you, but sit back, relax, as we take a trip down memory lane. Now, Simon and Nathan... We are very excited to be here at the Capo Lounge in Mansfield for our first a Trip Down Memory Lane podcast. Simon, this is one uh, of your uh, picks uh, for this one, because me yeah. and Nathan, uh, to be horrible to your age really. And, way before and, your uh, time. Way before our time. So tell us a little bit more about uh, today's guest then and why it is that you've sort of put them forward to take us on a trip down memory lane. In my eyes, is when I was younger, I was only about 15 at the time when... This player joined. Um, he became sort of a. Hang on. <laughs> we started already. He became sort of a legend. Five seasons at Mansfield, so I thought it might be good to get him in and get his inside information of what happened behind the doors and things like that when he was playing. Now, Nathan, obviously, you know this fella through doing various charity events as well. So I imagine you're looking forward to, to hearing the stories that, that this person's going to come out with today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, again, it's, uh, it's like I say, slightly just before our time, but uh, only just, only by a couple of years. So it's just, uh, it's, it's nice. Yeah, to I mean, a couple of years, Craig. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll give you that, Simon. But yeah, it's just nice to get an understanding of uh, 
a bit more of the history of the club and you know when when we started watching it, it's probably a, a prime time so it's nice to know you know what were the what were put in place to lead us up to that point and uh, I think this player played a big part in that. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to finding out those stories. Now, a little warning to you who are listening and, and are watching. This is not going to be like the normal podcast. We try and keep it clean. We try and be family friendly. But this one, it's not. Let's be honest. Uh, for those of you who have seen other podcasts out there, there's a fantastic one uh, which is called uh, The Magic Sponge with uh, Jimmy Bullard, ex-footballer, of course. Uh, it's going to be a little bit like that. So uh, the players, the ex-managers will be revealing stories. There might be a bit of swearing. There might be a bit of choice language towards uh, certain people but that's what it's all about uh, so we're looking forward to this so without further ado let's introduce the first guest as we go on a trip down memory lane with Ian Bowling Ian thank you for, for coming on uh, to the Mansfield Matters uh, memory lane podcast thank you um, first and foremost then what's your immediate memories of uh, playing for Mansfield Towns? as Sai says five and a bit seasons at the club and I know for a fact it's one which you didn't really want to turn your back on isn't it? It is yeah I can remember the first day I walked through the door I can remember the last day I walked through the door I imagine you don't really want to remember that last day so let's go back to the very start yeah. you've obviously established yourself at other clubs before coming to Mansfield yeah. talk us through the process then of getting that initial uh, contact to come and join Mansfield Town I'd uh, I'd done two years at Bradford City. I'd done four and a half years at Lincoln City, then got transferred to Bradford City. Frank Stapleton signed me. Uh, he got the sack after the first year, not my fault. And then the new chairman came in, and Lenny Lawrence, and I played all pre season. He said to me, if you're not in the first team at the beginning of the season, you might as well go. The season came around, he left me out. So I went to see him and he said, uh, I want to go. He said, you're not going. I went, well, he said, I could. Yeah, but I've changed my mind. So he made me stay there all year, in the reserves, play a game, in the reserves, play a game, which wasn't happy about. In the end, I ended up leaving. Um, I hadn't got fixed up. I had a phone call from Sheffield Wednesday. We were the first year of the Intertotial Cup, uh, and they got through in the Fair Play Award that's how they got into Europe um, all the players had gone away on holiday so they had to get, gather a team together of, of released players non-contracted players so played in Switzerland against FC Basley did alright came back from there phone call from Andy King did a fancy going to uh, Cyprus on pre-season tour with them Cyprus free holiday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it says, uh, I says yeah yeah I'll come but I, also, I already knew Keith Alexander who was at the club uh, he was a player with me at Lincoln and he was youth team coach before he, he managed them uh, so came down did a few training sessions we flew out to Cyprus uh, and one night ended up in Iron Apple but before the <laughs> as first, you do yeah as you do yeah we had a night off the first day I came into Mansfield I'm sat in the office with uh, Andy King talking like next minute there's a bang at my door door comes barging open I'm back but you can't guess who it is I'm back oh crikey I'm back no I can't Eddie Bulldog oh blimey I'm back he'd been away on his honeymoon from Cyprus <laughs> he'd been to Cyprus on his honeymoon he's going back out a few days later so yeah that's, that was my first day into Mansfield fantastic <laughs> and obviously you know you talk about the Sheffield Wednesday thing there do you ever look back and think things 
could have been different. You might have ended up being an owl rather than being a stag. Well, I've supported Wednesday all my life, so that was me. That was me. One of the achievements. What I've always wanted to do, playing for Chef Wednesday in Europe. Must have been a, an absolute dream come true. I imagine us three sort of sitting here and thinking what we give to put on the amber and blue. Oh God, yeah, all the while. Uh, and I think sometimes nowadays we could do better than what they've got now. <laughs> I reckon I could go a goal to be honest, didn't I? <laughs> Obviously that's uh, where people will know you from, Ian, being the man between the sticks. Yeah. Address a rumour. Is it true? Are all keep goalkeepers mental as they come? I don't think I am. I'm near the door. So <laughs> <I'm> near the <laughs> door. <laughs> so you said you were going to you later. <laughs> some are, some aren't. Yeah, yeah, you do have the quieter ones. And you say you're one of the. I say the quiet ones are always the worst, though. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> say that. I'm quite loud out on the pitch, but I'm quite off the pitch. So, for, for those of uh, for us who perhaps weren't watching the stakes when you were a keeper, describe what you were like as a as a player. What could uh, stakes fans expect to see from you between the sticks? Uh, honestly, put a decent shift in. Uh, always did my best even though I wasn't technically gifted I just did stopped it with anything I could it's the best way to throw yourself in yeah in front of it commanding I remember Ian being very commanding and very vocal yeah <laughs> you wouldn't like to be a defender me me to you away if you just like edit it out for a corner or miss you know miss the edit because Ian wouldn't have none on it <laughs> and I guess that's what led you on to becoming club captain as well yeah it was towards the end of my time uh, we'd gone through a difficult period where we'd lost a few games uh, Parker Steve Parkin changed it around and the captain against Peterborough where uh, and that was like towards the end of the 99 season I think it was uh, which were, again were a privilege for me as captain captain Mansfield Town Fantastic, and uh, a lot of people sort of since we sort of shared the images of you coming on to this have sort of commented on laugh. Uh, not not necessarily laugh. Have uh, looked at uh, that goalkeeper's kit. Have you, did you take one with you after you, you left Mansfield? Is it still in no. your wardrobe? No, I didn't. I haven't got one. I've, I've got one, which uh, it was the first year the names on the back came on. It was a red one, looks like athletic shirt, just a plain red one. That's the only one I've got. Well, he's quite. Uh, I've got a story about that. I get some phone. A very good friend of mine, Gary Dickinson, uh, is a solicitor, but also does some football agency work. Uh, he phones me up. He says, um, "I've got somebody who wants to give you a book deal." I went, "Oh, brilliant!" He says, "Can you come up to Barnsley to my office to to have a chat with him?" So it turns up. He went. He's got this new invention, coloured boots. So he built all these coloured. It's before nowadays all these coloured boots lined up, green, blue, red, silver, gold, what colour do you want to wear? So I went, I can't wear them. He went, yeah, it's going to take on, it's this all the rage. I thought, well, what's closest? Just, I, I picked silver. So I went back to the ground, I went, I saw Keith Haslam, I said, chairman, what colour kit? He said, you can pick your own. So I thought, oh, thank God, I'll pick silver to match my boots so I don't stand out. Well, the kit came, the boots came, I looked like Tim Manoff, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, so I ended up wearing black shorts, black socks just to break it up a bit. Goalkeepers being colour coordinated, yeah. you just thought that. You mentioned 
the immortal man there in, in Keith Haslam. We'll come on to him in a second. Um, Mayflower of the years, we've seen some uh, some questionable goalkeeper's kits, but I never thought that a keeper would get their own choice. Well, I'm, just, I'm now questioning whether Alan Murray actually picked that. <laughs> I've picked that. If he did, I want to know why. Well, no, <laughs> <it> is, <yeah. laughs> well hopefully we'll, ask, we'll get the opportunity to ask him at the end of the, uh, yeah. at the, end of the series. He also gets some... Uh, some quite good remarks about you've spilled pizza and you, you're chopping mm. everything. That green one, but with God, it's sort of oh, isn't it? Oh, when you look like it's, well, it's just 90s fashion, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. I guess, but that's fantastic. You mentioned uh, Keith Haslam, the former Stags chairman, obviously not a, a very well liked man. I like him, I love parts, him. I love him, me. Tell us why. Tell us uh, your relationship with Keith Haslam. The first guest you've done it, I've got nothing to the source of Tell us about, uh, about Keith and reveal the, the stories, the man behind the mask. I think it's probably one of the hardest times I've had in football. We wasn't getting paid, the PFA had to stand in, uh, step in and pay us for three months because we, we had an embargo on, he wasn't paying his wages. Um, every time we tried to meet him, he wouldn't see us. Every, we'd be out training and he'd shoot off at dinner time. So in the end, we ended up blocking his car in the car park, um, just to just to find out what was going off because Kinga Kinga had come in and said, uh, "I think we can go oh, wait wait see parking." Then he said, uh, "I've spoke to him. He says he's got no money. He's got no money." So we blocked him in. We're going in the dressing room. Oh, it's just so well, I'm picturing a load of footballers dragging Nazem in see And we said, look, we need to know what's going off. It's like you're out of the order. We've got mortgages to pay. We've got kids to feed. We've got everything. Uh, and I'll never forget it. John Schofield still up and you were a fucking bastard. He went, if you're working that pit, and you come up the after doing a, pit, uh, a shift that pit, they'd bit your fucking head off. And he just stood there and went, I'll, I'll, I'll try to see what I can do. Did it get resolved in the end, or it got resolved in the end? It got resolved in the end because I'd been playing three months with a, a double hernia. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Uh, they couldn't fetch anybody else in. Couldn't fetch another keeper in. Um, and in the end, it got that bad that he paid the PFA the money back, so we could bring another keeper. That's Stuart Neil in, in our own. That must have been. Horrendous. I mean, Nathan, you'll remember your injuries that you've picked up along the way, which has kept you out of sort of tournaments, playing blind football for England and, and things like that. From that perspective, what was it like for you when you pick up an injury? Let's see whether it, whether it's a, a similar story. Right. It, I think the the main thing is frustration, isn't it? Because uh, you know when you've worked so hard and training, you just want to be out there on the pitch and, and be involved as, as much as you can. You know. You, for, for like myself and I'm, I'd probably say the same as well Ian like you, you're in the game because you love it and you just want to be a part of it every minute you can so uh, frustrating is the main thing but uh, it's unbelievable to hear that story you know there saying that's the only way uh, they managed to get some, some money out of Keith Asen because he, he you know, in other words he had no other options did he that's no. it's unbelievable really no. and Stuart came in uh, at first I had injections to see if that would cure it on the Thursday, I couldn't. I weren't supposed to do anything for two weeks. On the Friday, I get a phone call. Stuart Neil is uh, he's back in training. Can you come to Cardiff with us? <laughs> I had to travel to Cardiff as sub keeper. 
<laughs> to cover for Stuart Nailer in case yeah. he went down. So me and him's in the same room together at night, and we like two people walking around. <laughs> <with our bedroom. laughs> I can imagine that's a horrible, frustrating time because it's not just a sort of overnight thing, is it? It's something which niggles for months and months, and it must affect the way you train and, and you form on the pitch as yeah, well, which it, then yeah. affects the team. Yeah, it does. It does, and you, you feel as though you're letting people down, but. All the, I've never had an hamstring, never had a, well I've had a slight calf, but all the injuries I've had, they've been serious injuries. Nothing I've threw throwing my body on the line or punishing myself really. I imagine trying to play with a double earlier and you know, being sub keeper as well, was you sort of sitting through that game when you were caught onto the bench just thinking, please God, God no. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and you managed to get through it in the end. So, bit of luck, yeah. Bit of luck, yeah. Bit of luck. What your like impressions about Andy King? What what you know? I loved him to bits. Absolutely loved him. If he'd have got the tools, he should have been given. Uh, obviously, like with the problems that we had with Aslan with money and things yeah. like that. It was saying earlier the, the team spirit we had, the camaraderie we had. We'd only have thirteen players one week. If he'd have had what people now have got at Mansfield Town through the Radfords the supporters through all the all the media and everything what, what goes up now he'd have had them up for the championship level which is scary to think about isn't yeah. it it just goes to show how far a little bit of money that a little I, bit of money goes I, I bet you can't remember Andy can you no Andy King was just before yeah he's, he's a bit of a character sort of thing yeah you know but he, he brought the best starting people yeah he won't he won't have a laugh and a joke about things so people relax around him people went out and played for him on the pitch who would but you compare him to sort of present day managers good question yeah, so I was just yeah, trying to think obviously again it's before my time as well like you say when Andy King but my dad talks very highly of him so it's just yeah, it'd yeah. be good to compare it with somebody who's you know presently managing or a known figure uh, it might be a Sam Allardyce something like that mm. he's tactically aware he's, he's but if people's relaxed around him I know they might not like his style of football but but he gets results. He gets results. I think if if it had built on when they when they missed out in the playoff, playoffs against Chesterfield, if it had built on that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean now, I mean we struggle for training balls. We struggle for places. We trained on the Manor, uh, the public park, the top pitch at the ground, full of dog muck. Uh, you used to train at West Knots, did you train there as well? No. My dad, I remember, again, something like my dad, my dad used to um, be a student there and he used to say, uh, I think it was probably even earlier than the one you played, to be honest, yeah. uh, he said he was on the top pitch at West Knots and he, he never got any work done, but he didn't have that excuse for his school either, so I don't know what excuse was there. So. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a nightmare, turning up day in, day out, not knowing where you're going to train or whether it's even safe for you to train on there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we train on the, uh, the old AstroTurf at the ground. That was, that was a bloody yeah. nightmare, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, even just for us going through. I'm sure it will rip up when you have built. Yeah, well, it, like, it, like that, that's the oh. Unbelievable. And that, we, we go running down, down woods, down Bullman, down. Unbelievable. I should appreciate the Radfords even more with the fact that they're building, oh, yeah, what, they, what they are building right now. Yeah, I mean, for what John and Kathleen's doing, it's, it's unbelievable. Never underestimate it, please, because. They've actually turned the club and the town round. It's scary. I mean, I never knew really. I never, because I was young when the Haslam thing was going off. 
I never really quite understood the politics behind it and the sort of reasoning behind it. But to hear yeah. Ian talking about not getting paid or you know having to literally corner him in the car park to get some wages at the end of the week, yeah. that I mean, is, is that something which has perhaps opened your eyes a little bit, Simon, and made you think you know it could have been made you even that it, little bit more thankful of what we yeah, actually have? Yeah, it just makes you grateful now of what you've got with John and Carolyn. You know, they uh, I know John's a Mansfield Town. A Mansfield lad, anyway, and a Mansfield Town fan. So, to me, that makes it all the more better because he's a fan himself. So he knows, from our point of view, what what the fans want on the pitch, sort of thing. So with him pumping in the money and things like that, it's made it, you know, we're grateful for him and. just can't stand that when I think he's in bed. <laughs> I mean, you talk about that particular story there of you know having to block his car in the car park. I bet that was one of quite a few instances where you've had to sort of have a word and, and try and sort of make your point heard. Was that the, the worst it got, or, or did it go deeper? I think that that was probably the worst. But you have images of when you're coming off the pit, Aslam sat in the director's box in the old stand, like smoking. Smoking big cigarettes, yeah. and supporters spitting and shouting and swearing at him and all that. Well, he just sat there smugglers. Lies. Not bothered. Not bothered. Were there any players really wanting to kind of get him in a dark corner and do him over? I think from 1 to 11, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair to be fair. Now, let's talk a little bit about obviously uh, the managers you played under. Andy King brought you in and then obviously yeah. Steve Parkin took over from Kingy when he left Steve always had he, he had the respect of the players anyway we're being captain we're being uh, he went to UT he was doing UT for a short while before he got took over the manager's job so he got the respect uh, but he, he'd also got the camaraderie with us we being not long finishing playing himself and still being like roughly our age as well which again brought the best out of us because he'd have a laugh and a joke and he knew when to be serious and he knew when to curb us and everything so luckily it went well for him Do you think that is down to personality because I'm just thinking back to a couple of seasons ago when Adam Murray went from you know playing and being one of the lads to having to, to be the manager is it down to personality or yeah. 100%? Yeah I'd say so yeah So it all depends on sort of how well you get on with the players and how they treat you I mean Steve works, Steve's hard as nails anyway uh, he wouldn't mess about him, but uh, he, as I say, he had the respect of the players from top to bottom. Any times you got on his uh, in his bad books, or we was on the right side of Steve Parking? Once uh, we were playing Rochdale away, and I should have come for I should have come for a cross, and he had to go at me. Uh, uh, yeah. Verbals or verbal? Oh, yeah, just verbals. verbals. Yeah, verbals. Never, never physical. Yeah. That's not bad. Once, is it? Well, no, once. No, I've... I mean, at one stage, uh, I moved near him. I moved house near him, and he was good drinking with him. But uh, I haven't seen him for a few years. Even though he's, he's done all right himself now. He's gone on to obviously manage quite a couple managing of his coach for assistant manager at Bolton Wonders now. Do you ever look back at the, the players that you, you played with and, and look at how well they did? Because youth team wise, it was sort of. I'd probably arguably say one of the best academy sort of sides which we had there. You the likes of Liam Lawrence coming through, the other players, Lee Williamson and, and players of, of that ilk, yeah. Ryan Williams as well. Do you ever look at some of the players that were in that squad and think, bloody hell, these have actually gone on to yeah. do really well for themselves? Yeah, that, when, I, when I first got there, 
the first set of white chair slides you've got Nicky Weaver you've got Bobby Assel you've got uh, Lee Williamson Liam Lawrence uh, Dave Jervis a little bit over the side ends up being uh, yeah. the youth team manager Dave Jervis for about three yeah. injury yeah, cut yeah. His, his playing career yeah, sure yeah. Playing career. Which, is, which is sad what about um, still keeping in touch with some of them because it must be I mean obviously we none of us three well apart from Nathan can really talk about sort of the experience of being within that dressing room environment what's it like when it, the door shuts behind you for the, the final time do you miss it? yeah I miss, every, miss it every day miss oh. it every day and obviously we t- we'll talk a little bit more in a little while about you leaving the Stags and we know you didn't really want to go there but yeah. after Stags you, you moved on ended up playing for, for Catherine and then a, quite a, a horror incident really where you ended up sort of hitting your heads on one of the old style goalposts what can you remember if anything from yeah, that uh, I was playing at Catherine and uh, we're February and we're playing Tibetan at home and we got a free kick about 25-30 yards out so I lined a four man wall up as I'm looking to my left and the lads whipped it round the wall uh, at pace it's going in bottom corner and I've just flung myself to try and save it and just managed to get my f- fingertips on it and that's that's the last thing I can remember of it uh, I've the momentum's carried me on into the cast iron goal post uh, I'm unconscious um, and the next time when you were woke up in Kettering General Hospital with a spotlight on my face and I thought thought it was in the dentist I just thought yeah <laughs> uh, and they, they said I've had an accident so I thought oh god I've been in a car crash uh, and they said we'll have to put you back to sleep so I went yeah yeah fine not why I said fine but <laughs> Um, then the next thing I knew I woke up in Bradford Hospital in Oxford I'd been operated on I can remember coming round I've got my, my ex-wife my mum and dad Carl Shook who were manager at the time the ex-Leeds uh, player and I just projected spew all, all over mm. all over and Carl Shook Carl Shook were in tears and I thought what's up here like what's, what's going on the doctor came round he must have been 24 year old and I said to him he said to me are you alright I went yeah yeah he says anything uh, went okay I went alright oh, so I'm okay he went well we managed to save we managed to save your life with a couple of hours to spare wow so that's when it hit me and I thought oh my god what have I done but I, I've got drains coming in me I've ballooned up and I fractured my skull in two places, my eye socket in two places, and blood clots on my brain. Do you ever wonder how that could have affected you in later life? So I imagine you did play again after after that. I did. Uh, they told me I'd never play again, um, and it, it, it's had an effect on me. Um, but I'm one of these people, when somebody says you'll never do this again, you never do that, I, I prove them wrong. Uh, and I ended up playing until a forty-year-old. And I had enough. I'd done my time. And then you moved into coaching and management, still involved in it as well. Yeah. Talk us through your managerial career because the, again, it's that story of in the lower leagues. Once the money sort of has has gone, that sort of makes things 
going sort of from good to bad? Yeah, I left, I left Kettering, I did another year, I got my plane for Kettering, uh, and then I got offered a two-year contract, which I don't know why, at 38 year old you'd offer anybody a two-year contract. You snapped it up with that, I think just yeah. two years two uh, security, isn't it? I think we'd all do the same. Yeah, so I did my two years, took me to Forte, and then Ronnie Glavin was the manager, he says I want you to come on board as a coach. So I ended up taking reserve team and doing goalkeeping coaching and uh, Ronnie got the site and he asked me to take over. I know like I like see parking with with us, I was quite close to the lads as well. So we're third from bottom and I went, well I might as well try and help them get out of it. So we went from third from bottom to, to seventh in the league. Got first month I got manager of the month. The last month we ended up getting relegated for the bottom. But again, the, the money the money went. I went into Beg Steel and Bowie players, said, Oh, come on out to try and sort you out with something. Uh, I got four players on contracts, which were taking the majority of the budget, which I couldn't do nothing about. Four players taking up a whole budget, that's frightening. Well, it? yeah, yeah, I won't say the figures, but. It, yeah. yeah. How much of. The influence of play of people like Andy King and sort of Steve Parkin did you sort of take into your managerial career? Because the way you describe it, it sort of seems very similar, almost like you sort of tried to channel what they did. Because they, especially sort of uh, you know Steve Parkin, it was sort yeah. of relatively successful on this. So yeah, it was. I mean, uh, like I said, thanks thanks Stapleton signed me for Bradford, another good manager, Steve Thompson, Colin Murphy signed me. Uh, when I first signed Pro, I signed for Lincoln City. Again, excellent, brilliant manager. At the time, you'd think, well, what, what this, that, and other, but you look back and you think, well, you were right. You might not think at the time, but you think, yeah, you were right, I'll do it that way, or I'll do it this way. So you learn, and you learn, you learn by your mistakes. Yeah, certainly so. Let's just go back, finally, before we take a quick break, um, to that time when you were injured, the head injury. Yeah. Obviously, we're doing this podcast raising money for the Alzheimer's Society and yeah. dementia and things like that. How many sort of ex-players do you sort of look at and think about? You know the ways that which defenders used to go up for challenges, the way goalkeepers such as yourself used to sort of throw themselves yeah. around and think this could affect me. This does have an effect on sport. I think I think it's massive. I think uh, another good good friend, Ernie Moss, he's he's in a very bad way with it. Uh, Jeff Hassel died through it there's going to be more and more uh, but again it's it, from an era when the facilities aren't as good as what they are now it's like we're talking about the AstroTurf at, at, at Mansfield it's like diving on concrete you're diving on floors parquet floors in gyms no crash mats I've had it replacement the back's in bits it's, it's you, you, obviously you're suffering in old age but it's something you get on with and you Steve Cheddar, he's in a bad way at the minute with his knees and his joints. But you do it because you love the love game. Um, go on, Simon. No, I was just going to say, after your injury, you know, when you were used to go up, like if you got a cross coming over or anything like that, did you think this is going to yeah. like, be the end of me it could be. doing this? It could be, yeah. You know, do you ever flash through your mind it's balls coming over? No, it's it like, this is, this is going to hurt. Never, never anything like that. I, I wouldn't. If I thought like that, then I won't play. I've never, I've never thought, oh, I'll, I'll shy out of this one because it's yeah. I've always put my body on line, and as you can see, with scars and 
say to my face. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's uh, an ideal time just to take a, a very quick break. Obviously, you're hearing there from uh, former Stags goalkeeper Ian Bowling. This is a Manfield Matters podcast. Taking a trip down memory lane. It's all uh, raising money for the Alzheimer's Society, who do fantastic work with people who sadly live their lives day in and day out living with dementia. One such person being Stags legend Kevin Bird. Let's take a little look that's uh, how your donations can help. Where do you see me in five years' time, Doctor? And he said, well, you won't be alive in five years' time. I was scared, confused. I got very depressed, and that's not me. It's not my personality. So I decided, and I'm so ashamed now, that I have named it all. This happens to so many people. It's not just my nan, it's not just my family. Uh, the hardest part, it was probably when I went to visit her a couple of weeks ago. And, sorry. She didn't, didn't know who I was. That was, that was pretty hard. The only way we're going to find a cure is through research. The more money that can be spent on research, even better. It's a devastating thing. Both my parents uh, have dementia. My father, Frederick Ramsdale, is being stuck in hospital now for his 10th week. We've been told that Dad is ready to be discharged. In fact, he was medically fit to be discharged five weeks ago. The government just aren't putting enough money into social care. People with dementia are being let down. There are literally hundreds and thousands of families and individuals going through exactly what we are. And actually, if we all group together, we can really, really make a difference and start to see some change. I spent two to three hours with Peter talking to him. He really felt like he didn't know where his life was going. And it was like someone turned the light switch on. That lady saved my life. She really saved my life. Sorry, because she made me realise that there was there is life. You know when you get your sorry. You know when you get your um you get that diagnosis and I thought everything was over. I can never ever thank her enough for what she did. And then I started going to the dementia cafe. The Alzheimer's Society, fantastic. And if you want to uh, donate to the Alzheimer's Society and support what we're doing, then the links are in the description. We've got some fantastic guests coming up over the next couple of weeks or so. Ian has sort of set the bar very, very high for us. Uh, Next (laughs) week, Ian, we're going to be uh, with a former teammate of yours. You mentioned him earlier on, came through the YTS scheme. Mr. Bobby Hassel will be joining us sitting in, in, in that chair. Brilliant. Give us a bit of dirt then. What can you tell us about Bobby? Oh, about Bobby? Yeah, yeah. No, he's straight as a die, Bobby. Oh, oh, oh boring. Juicy, <laughs> they're boring. You don't say that because you know Bobby Grant, you could stitch him up. That's it. It's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> very, very quiet lad. First day pre season training, we get spiked. We're going for a gun. Kingy says, get his trainers on. We're going for a gun. Just to. Uh, Past field milk, we're going up. Bobby puts his on, size 13s. <laughs> no chance. What size you got? They must have been 12, size 12s or 13s, it'd be this long. So he says, I'm an 8. Well, why have you got size 13s? The only ones I've got. 
He's running with his sight, honestly to God. He looks absolutely massive. Clown shoes. Yeah, thank Clown shoes, yeah. 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 But oh. I tell you what, one of the best footballers. And he's gone on to do obviously quite well as well. He had 10 years at Bars there. I remember his testimonial a couple of pre seasons ago. And obviously, sort of gone into coaching now, I believe. I think he's with Bars as you set up. He's, he's head of it. Head of Bars as you set up. Yeah, yeah. I messaged him a few weeks ago, seeing if he'd got any players, what we could uh, loan off them. Um, we being Stavely, of course, that's where you're. Yeah, I'm Stavely, isn't it? Yeah, I'm at Stavely now. Uh, seeing if we've got any young lads, what we could bother to try and get experience in a man's league. Uh, but he didn't have anybody at the time and I, I was speaking to him at Kevin Burr's testimonial where he played at Field Mill lovely lad lovely, lovely lad what was it like going back to, to Field Mill because let's, let's address it first of all so let's talk about going back obviously when you were there it was the old Field Mill and they started developing it in your final season I think it did yeah so you didn't actually get to play in a, in a, in a competitive game at the new Field Mill no I played in one uh I had a bit of a nightmare actually against Macclesfield. It will end the, the old. For all? Yeah, the old stand was down. Uh, the both ends was done. But it just sounds strange. You like your, your bearings. Your bearings were all over the place. It didn't just didn't seem like home to me at that time. Is that what you felt like, so when you were going to watch your, your first game there? Because obviously, yeah. me, I think Nathan. Did you? I don't think you went to the old film mill, did you? I think I probably. When when was it? When was it done? 1999, 2000. 2000. I would have definitely been, but I, I, I can't remember it. And obviously, Cam was just a thought in his dad's trousers at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he wouldn't remember <laughs> it. And I certainly didn't. I said it. That's well. That, I didn't want to say that. your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor lad in the corner. So we've, we've never seen, really seen the old uh, film from a yeah. fan's perspective. What was it like? Because Ian's talked about when he sort of played there, his bearings didn't feel right. What was it like yeah. as a fan? It, it were a bit surreal to give you a bit of a perspective it were a bit like when we went down to Exeter the other week it was like open plan sort of thing there was no stand behind the goal sort of thing so like so if, yeah nothing if the ball went, ball went over behind it were like somebody had to be behind the goal to go and run and fetch it so yeah. you were hoping that if you were the ball boy it weren't kick that hard so you didn't have to like run off way down the field or something to fetch it but it was just surreal talking of ball boys now this is something which has just popped in my head we often see this that there's always a bit of a hoo-ha between the ball boys the managers the players do sometimes ball boys at like away grounds purposely try and time waste by not getting the ball quicker or not throwing the ball back to you have you ever sort of had to have uh, words with the youngster I think they do it at higher level I think in John Beck's time at Lincoln and Cambridge it was one of his plays uh, where the ball boy would have a towel so he could drive the ball so he could throw it longer uh, but I've never come I've never known one of my managers say get the ball off the ball boy or slow it down or anything like that what would you have done if you'd have been at an away ground and you say for example you you one nil down 80 odd minute trying to chase the game and ball boys being slow what would you what would you have done I'd say please can I have the ball back you little bastard <laughs> <laughs> Now, let's talk about your departure from the One Course Stadium. A lot of supporters disappointed to, to see you go. And I get the, the feeling just by talking to you on and off camera tonight yeah. that it wasn't a, a, a nice thing that you wanted to do. Just talk us through that. And obviously, Billy Dearden was the manager who sort of let you go. Talk us through your exit. Uh, obviously, I, I broke my arm in April 
99. Um, they said I won't play again. I did. I got myself back fit. I got back playing. I then had a knee injury, which required surgery. That day, the four of us had surgery on his knees. Me, Tony Loma, Gary Tallon, and Dean Mitchell. The other three had to retire. I made it bike. Uh, my knee wasn't right. I had to go in again. Still wasn't right. The third time I went in to have it looked at. Uh, when they brought me on, they put two plates uh, either side of my arm. When they were diving, this one was catching on the floor. So while one surgeon operated on my left knee, the other one was taking the plate out. Uh, I got back. I don't know because of the length of time I've been out I, I didn't feel as sharp I was on the game as what I was uh, it comes to the end of the season Billy says to me uh, come back pre-season we'll have a chat about everything all like that which I did it, it brought Bobby Mims in which that, that worked to him uh, but before towards the end of the season it, it told me to come back pre-season the day after, I had a letter in the post from Mansfield Town Football Club saying I'd been released. How did you feel looking at that? Because you'd been captain of the club, <clears throat> you played five seasons at the club, you'd obviously played through a double hernia, not been paid and things like that. How did that feel, picking up that piece of paper and looking at that? Which war did you want to punch? I'd been, I'd been player of the year three years out of me, five years I'd been there. Uh, and I don't think I deserved to be trapped like that. I phoned him up. It was in, the, I think it was in the early doors, or one of the pubs around there at the time, having lunch with his staff. Dead in this is? Yeah. And he says, oh no, it's a mistake, it's a mistake. Like I said to you, come back pre-season. And when I went back pre-season, I knew he went. He was just hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. Uh, and then in the end, I went to see him. And I says, look, what's happening? I'm getting a bit pissed off with this like, you know, uh, you can go. And I just looked at him and I thought, I want to get your fucking head off. Uh, and I just went, thanks a lot. I walked out and I bumped into Kevin Pilkington walking through car park. That's ridiculous. So, so my time with Billy Dearden is not a, not a good one. Yeah, I can imagine mm. to see sort of, you know, the person who's basically been brought in as your replacement in the car park. Yeah. Is, that must. Did you sort of maybe stick your leg out and maybe try and injure him so they got to call you back in? Is that crushing? I mean, you're too professional for that. Yeah, I've got more respect for myself than that. Yeah. Horrible times, obviously, and didn't want to leave the club because I get the sense just from talking to you tonight and you recording you know, your, your playing career that you'd have probably, if you'd have been given the opportunity, you know, pull up your boots at Mansfield and seen it out. Oh, definitely. I'd walk back tomorrow if I could. I'm sure we. I, I mean, I can well. walk. Can yeah. walk. I mean, yeah. I just mean if I got the opportunity to go back, I go back and uh, keep my in, in the capacity. I love the place. Fantastic, which is great, and I know that the. We have you as well. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say to you, you know, you two listen to that, Nate. That dedication from a player that I think it's it's fair to say Ian hurt a little bit from the way well, you were treated yeah, and, yeah. and let go. Took, took took me a long time to get over it. A long, long time to pick myself up. And, uh, I think at the time. It, I got up one Sunday morning and I hadn't been out the night before, I'd been, I'd got two young kids at the time uh, and I slipped on the top stair 
and it, as, as I've gone, I've slid down the stairs, got me tool stuck between the spindle on the stairs and ended up breaking my tool. So that didn't help at the time, but I thought, well, why me kind of thing? Why, yeah. why has this happened? Yeah, and listening to that hurt, Nath, I think it's fair to say that the way players perhaps look at contracts and clubs has changed because I don't think you'd get a lot of players who have that now because the money's a lot different and mm. um, it's the competitiveness between the leagues is, is is so similar because of the teams that are in e- each league you wouldn't get that would you nowadays to be honest I don't think there's as much loyalty in football uh, these days there's not anymore you, you, you get you get you do get some players where you know they do say long times at club but you don't get many I think that would go through the you know what, what Ian did um, and I think that it's, it's disappointing to, I think sometimes from a football fan you don't really get to hear about those situations about you know what happens behind the scenes with contracts and things like that you never hear anything of that do you you might hear rumours but you never really know the true story and it's uh, it's disappointing because I know when I was coming into football you know I I always looked at Bird Aiden as a, as a hero because I all I saw was sort of the results on the pitch and things like that and it's sort of it's, it's disappointing to know that he would treat a player that way when you know it, it, someone who's given their all to the club for, for five years or just you know over five years to not even have the decency to to speak to you about um, you know your contract and, yeah. and, and it, it's just it, it seems a bit cowardice you know to, to just not really talk about it yeah. properly you know I've, I've met him I've, I've, I've met him since I went to a game at Sheffield United mm. and he was there uh, and he looked as though he was scared to death of me in case I was going to do something to him Mm. Well, that's guilt, though, isn't it? That's, yeah. That's, yeah. You know, he, he obviously knew, didn't he, that he didn't deal with that the way way he should do. And how anybody, you know, uh, I know footballs uh, can be a you know a real beast sometimes. Oh, it's ruthless at times. But, uh, but he, when, when it's when you go back at that money and all that, uh, nobody in the teams I played at Mansfield was on big money. Mm. Not nobody. Yeah. Is that what's changed in football? The fact that it's all about mainly about money now. Because you you look at I know there are only rumours and we can't prove it, but there are rumours of players being at the club on five grand a week, that sort of thing. <coughs> it's ridiculous money for League Two football, isn't it? Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And I think the fact that I, it don't, was, I don't, I don't, I've got nothing against them earning that. If if, if somebody's daft enough to give you that money, somebody's daft enough to take it. But. Like I said, when I, I, I agreed terms with Sea uh, Parking over contracts, and when I got the contract, it was five pound difference. So I went and complained. Five over five pound. I thought it's it's principle, though, yeah, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's not a business arrangement. At the end of the day, it's, it's, yeah. you're being paid to do that job, and if you're being told, and it, 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 it weren't like mega money. It weren't like <laughs> for five thousand and five pound. Yeah, <laughs> and it's that. Which makes a difference, as you say, two young kids at the time, yeah. wife, house to pay for, that sort yeah. of thing. These things do add up. So. And, and, and at that time, we didn't get pretty much meals or uh, going to eat in, in canteen after training. You, you go and, oh, we're travelling away to Exeter. Oh, better go to Tesco's and buy a sandwich to take with us. Go and have some dinner. Frightening, isn't it? The yeah. way that football yeah, is changed. Everything you bought yourself, wash your own kit. No um, expenses for it either. It's all out your own yeah, pocket. Expenses yeah. to do it. I mean, in end, I ended up uh, try, uh, getting the club 
the Whitechester, uh, the two keepers at the time, Nicky Weaver and uh, Duncan Roberts, to look after my kit, to wash my kit, because it just got shitted up every day. I suppose you weren't given a training kit for every single day like most of them are nowadays. Oh, no. They seem to get everything, don't they? Yeah, so they get everything. One kit and one yeah. pair of boots. Yeah. Ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. What about, <clears throat> as Nathan said, Dearden's managerial style? Because on the pitch, he did sort of get results and sort of take us on the brink of promotion. But what about him off the pitch on the, on the training ground? Is there any sort of stories you can recall of Billy? I think I've heard a few players sort of uh, refer to him as a wily old granddad. That's how he came across to me. Is uh, we'd do a crossing and shooting. He'd be out on right wing, trying to whip balls and then fall over. <laughs> At that time, he had had his knee done, and he got bad knees, and then got across the ball, and he'd end up on his back on right wing. <laughs> well, I'd give it to find a video or something. Yeah, two hundred and fifty quid yeah. straight oh, away. There. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose that's also something which has changed as well. Because nowadays players are always on Twitter and getting abused on Twitter and Facebook after a game. You wouldn't have had that in in, in your day. Oh, when no, you were no. I think mobile phones have only just come out when I've been playing. You were talking about the big, the big, <laughs> the big yeah. ones as well. Which yeah, is, yeah, quite that size. That's quite quite interesting. You say say about players getting abused. I mean, what was it like in in your day? Like we've had it this season. We've had it over certain seasons where. You know what, what was it like for you as a player? Getting, I don't know if you ever got abuse or, or if you ever saw it happening. Like, how did it make you feel as a player when you actually have it? Is it easy to ignore or do you take it to heart sometimes? I've had loads of abuse, and yeah, you, you do take it to heart. Uh, but it, majority of the time, it was what somebody had written about you in the papers. Uh, there were no social media, Facebook, or anything like that. It was just uh, you pick the paper up and you've got a four or a five, and you think, I didn't deserve that. <laughs> And he's oh, bowling dropped another bollock kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, or he should have said this kind of thing. You just have to brush yourself off, go into the next game and try and prove people right. I suppose that's what you could do in them days because it was, you know, a paper probably once a week, whereas this is sort of you, your phone's constantly buzzing from it. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like when I time, the moment you walked in a dressing room, somebody, somebody's always there ready to set the piss out of you. Yeah, that's what you miss about it. Every morning, when you what you might have got a funny coloured t-shirt on or wrong shoes, something like that. I mean, Steve Harper, he was the worst best uh, worst dressed player I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what about them then? Because obviously, this is sort of no holds barred. We have sort of spoken deeply and honestly about things which went off. What about those characters? in the dressing room I'd love to have a, a, a GoPro or something just sort of hidden in the dressing room yeah. to see what the players get up to on a day to day basis I mean we have a laugh on this podcast yeah. we take the piss out of each other we're all friends you're working together as players you're all going to try and get on yeah. and sort of be, because you're playing for the same thing essentially exactly who yeah. were the wind up merchants and what the, what sort of stories can you recall from your time of someone being a bit of a bit it, of a wronger it, it could be anybody you'd have your you'd have your end of your socks cut off you'd have deep in your underwear you'd have <laughs> arms cut off your shirt anything like that like John Schofield used to be a twat for it <laughs> but um, I mean the one when Brian Kilcline came Oh my god! People used to call him Killer, didn't they? Killer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that reputation true in the dressing room as well? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> okay. That's he'd, he'd, come, he'd come every morning, shirt on, tie, sports jacket, waistcoat, air all down here, moustache, beard, all from the proper brogues on, like, and he then get everything up. I used to take piss out of him actually. <laughs> and then one at Christmas dues, we decided to go to Sheffield. 
dressed as killer. So we all <laughs> we all bought wigs, tashes, clothes, exactly the same clothes. Ben Sedgemore, he got dressed up as a, a sailor killer. So he got sailor suit on, but dressed as Kill Klein. So we has a few we has a few drinks in Sheffield, walking out next pub, next minute this bus double decker bus goes past. Ben Sedgemore's on top deck. Like that. on. Fantastic. Is there any? Yeah. T- uh, there must have been a time where someone's obviously tried to, to pull a, a fast one on you in, in the dressing room. What was the, the worst one you had? Obviously, you mentioned DP in the old undercrackers. What's the worst one you've had? I don't think I have. I don't think anybody there. <laughs> uh, we went to Ireland on a pre-season tour and do a bit of a scuffle between a couple of lads and I just stepped in um, and it got sorted out quickly without no bother then Johnny Walker said to me fucking hell you've built me on <laughs> 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 oh, that's a, the boys I absolutely yeah. love listening to stories <laughs> like that within the dressing room because we go to games week in week out and we watch what's on the pitch but we'd love to just experience for a minute wouldn't we what's, yeah. what's off the yeah. pitch yeah. especially with things like that that's, that's ace uh, I mean who should we I mean should we dress up in, in I had it that hat of Cam's everyone who's watched the regular podcast will know uh, of, of Cam's bobble hat I think the last podcast of the series we should all get a bobble hat a bobble hat and, and appear as Cam's Cam's now trying on the camera to try and zoom around for it so she's probably got a shot of uh, Mansfield Town Centre but there you go we are here in the, the, the fabulous uh, Capo Lounge uh, this evening recording uh, Mansfield Matters a walk down memory lane it's all of course for the Alzheimer's Society if you've enjoyed what you've watched or what you've listened to uh, so far then please please do give to the charity fantastic charity they are all the links that you need are in the description now Ian we have been doing this podcast for a season now yeah. the season's just uh, over. As we record this, there's one game left to go in the season. We'll talk about that in a little while as well. But one regular feature which we do, which we did sort of pre-warn you about when you got here so you couldn't do a runner, uh, was the, uh, the the quiz feature. Yeah. Seems to me like you do remember quite a bit from your time at Mansfield. To say I've had a brain injury, yeah, I'm doing all right. So we're, we're going to find <laughs> out. Uh, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> Are you again? <laughs> 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 I did that time, that's it, exactly. Uh, what we're going to do is, is uh, something we're going to do with every single player that comes on to this. So Bobby Assel will be subject to this treatment next right. week, so don't tell him. I'll tell you about size of his treatment. I'm actually going to write that down. Size 13. I'm actually writing this down. What size were they? We'll put that down. We'll, we'll ask him about that. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> the way this is going to work, you are going to go up against the clock. We need actually ten questions, right. all written from your time at the club. Um, you can pass on an answer if you're not sure, but that will add ten seconds to your time. An incorrect answer will add five seconds. So you might as well have a go right, and yeah. try and keep your, your score down. Right. The person with the most correct answers in the quickest time at the end of the series is going to win, and there will be a prize for the winner uh, as well, which we'll sort of reveal uh, at the end of the, the series, because we are actually going to hopefully try and reunite the champions of uh, 2012-13, the side that won the conference five seasons ago, for a special night for all you guys at home to come along and get involved in, and we're going to invite every guest we've had on to come and join us as well, so there'll be a trophy uh, for that one. Simon, I'm going to give you a very important job, my friend. Uh-oh, what's that? Stopwatch. Oh, crikey. This is, this is it, it's got to fill it with his phone now. Uh, 
well, see if he remembers his password. Uh, so you're the official timekeeper for this one. If you want uh, any help on this, uh, Nathan is there to, to help you out right, a little bit. Well, so you can, you, can, you can get Nathan to, to, to try out support you if you want. Record on quizzes. Nathan's record on quizzes is, is, is helpful. Uh, stopwatch is at the ready. Your time will start after I've asked the first question. So after I've asked Simon, then you press start. All right. I've got that. He's got I've got, I've got Are you ready. sure? Because we know how this has gone in the past. Well, it's normally you that balls it up, not all. <laughs> right, here we go. Uh, Ian. It's time to take a trip down memory lane. Let's see how many you remember. Okay, in three, two, one. Ian, you joined in the summer of 1995, but against who did the Stags start that season? Start the clock. Fulham. Under how many managers did you serve at the Stags? Three. The Stags finished a place outside the playoffs in the 1998-99 season, but of these players, who made more appearances than your 43? Was it Lee Peacock or Tony Lorma? Lee Peacock. After leaving the Stags in October 2000, who did you join? Catherine. In May 1998, you received a red card, but also managed a clean sheet in a wonder win over who? Swansea. In March 1999, you endured a horrible day at the office, conceding seven in a 7-2 loss at Cambridge United. Sorry. Uh, but who scored either of the, the two Stags goals? One of the two. We'll get you the point. Johnny Walker. Research Cringe, Research Cringe is an anagram of which former teammate of yours who went on to play for Stoke City and finished the 99-2000 season with nine goals. Research Cringe. Chris Greenacre. Against who was your last start for the Stags? Macclesfield. Kevin Pilkington was seen to be your replacement, sorry, when he joined in September 2000, but who made more appearances, you or Kevin? You made one substitute appearance for the Stags, but which shot stopper did you replace in the 6-0 drubbing at the hands of Brighton in August 1999? Pass. Stop the clock. Okay, did it in 1 minute and 18 seconds. We'll run up to 1 minute 19, because I can't be bothered to do the uh, try and do the math cost. As Cam's probably going to shout from over there. Three attempts. So I can tell you that, Ian, you've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5... Six, seven correct answers. Um, the ones you got incorrect was uh, the two oh, goal scorers. Uh, you could have had either Tony Long or Lee Peacock. Um, Other ones, Liam Lawrence, isn't it? Uh, seven two. Uh, which ones, Liam Lawrence? Which, sure. uh, no. Uh, just, was uh, both goal scorers. It was Tony Long and then Lee Peacock scored the second from the spot. No, I mean, uh, still... Oh, no, there's... there's we went, but, no, we no, got no, it right, no, Christopher no, Aikens. No, 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 and I have no, to tell you as well, uh, of all these we do, I always try and throw an anagram in because these two fucking hate them. I, so I do it I just to wind them up. To. And you absolutely nailed it. I was expecting an incorrect answer, but you nailed it. Uh, the other two you got wrong, uh, who made more appearances than um, between yourself Pilkington. and Pilkington? It was him, but virtue, by virtue of the fact that um, he came back on loan... Um, Oh, a right. couple of seasons back and played 10 more games because otherwise it would have been you yeah <laughs> <laughs> they don't count I'm not going to argue with them the, give, I'm not arguing with them give it the fucking point <laughs> and the uh, keeper that you replaced was Barry Richardson in the uh, when you made your substitute appearance in the 6-0 I can't remember well, there you go. I'm just going by what was on, on, on the internet so there you go but, uh, so you've got uh, 7 correct in a time of 1 minute 19 with the penalties uh, you passed uh, the last one one uh, so that's 1 minute 29 uh, then 1 minute uh, so that's 1 minute 39 you did it total time so uh, 1 minute 39 got to be pleased with that I thought it was quite quick boys I mean you two were obviously you 
playing the quiz every week, so you sort of know how this works. Nate, quick time? Yeah, I think so, and uh, obviously we've got up to gauge against yet, but I think you've got a decent chance. Sorry? Yeah, I think you're quite decent. Well, compared to what we are, well, so we, we, we're still on we're still <laughs> <at> ground. <laughs> that's, that's not our, well, the cam says apart from him, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, apparently tomorrow, we're obviously filming this on a Wednesday, um, the Wednesday night before we do the regular podcast. Tomorrow we're doing it at Nathan's house and the loser of the quiz has been thrown in the hot tub, so... Uh, the hot which I've now turned off the full device. You're a prick. <laughs> 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 um, so obviously, Ian, obviously... Um, after that, first player, you're in the lead, but you're also last. Alright. So, you know, I think you're in with a good chance. I think 1 minute 39 in total is a very good score, score yeah. so we'll, we'll find yeah. out. Just don't tell Bobby about it next week and we'll throw that one in about the uh, the size 12 and 13 trainers yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, let's come back then, uh, just to talking about a few more things before we wrap things up for this episode of Memory Lane. One of the questions in there was uh, the, about the red card. I always thought it was one, but you say it was two red cards. Talk us through both, what happened? The first one, uh, where Lincoln against Lincoln City on a Tuesday night, uh, a decent crowd actually. Davin Uckerby, he was being booked by a Lincoln City, were playing for Lincoln, I was playing for Mansfield, and he's cut into the box and I've dived at his feet, touched the ball, but the referees deemed that I've brought him down, sent me off. So he sent me off, uh, everybody's arguing. Uh, I'm in the dressing room I thought you know, once again sent off like all that that massive is the con referee next minute Scott Eustace comes walking in I went what are you doing he went I've been sent off I went what for I went arguing he went I went fucking hell you daft cunt he went well it's even worse John Beck and Andy King's been sent to the stands <laughs> <laughs> red cars flying everywhere yeah just because <laughs> me I'm thinking oh my god it's all kicked off Oh, yeah. Was that the the obviously which one would you think was the worst one? Because the Swansea one, I believe, you left a player needing a bit of treatment, didn't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The balls, the balls, the balls, the balls come over the top, and I've come running out, uh, and it bounced up. I thought, oh, I'm not going to get it. So I've ended up kung fuing him somewhere around here, uh, and the fees come like and their players all around our players all around and Nick Kilsack who played for Swansea they were PFA chairman at one bit uh, he's saying Get, send him off send him off and, and, and John Schofield said oh bro calm down you could see my eyes had gone he was trying to get me sent off uh, and he did actually he got me sent off and I thought fucking hell got sent off again <laughs> so I've, I've never known a keeper I've never personally seen a keeper Get sent off. I've seen a keeper score, Marriott score. Yeah, yeah, did you ever come close to that? Ever fancy punting one down the other end? And twice, I've done it twice. Two games not dropped when I was playing for my dad's pub team. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there's no record yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can all claim that, can't we? We can all claim that. The, uh, how long have we got? Well, as long as you want, yeah. I'll tell you a quick story. The night, the night I did the arm, obviously I said earlier, I was captain. Um, and just after the second half the ball's being cut across six yard box I've dived out got me hand on the ball uh, Mark Peters and Steve Flack's come in uh, Steve Flack apparently said that he stamped on my arm as I've come in ball's broke loose he scored Exeter so I'm laid out and got stretched off gets back to the dressing room club doctor came doctor now 
says, let me examine you. I said, it's killing me. He says, he looks at me on, he went, I don't think it's all serious because it's straight. I went, oh, fine. He went, do you want me to give you some of pain? I went, no, not till I find out what's happened. So, ambulance come, took me to Kings Mill, into casualty, x-rayed it, doctor came, see me, she went, you made it right, and I said, that, aren't you? So I've gone from a club doctor saying, it's not That's serious. That's all right, it's just a scratch, mate, it's fine. Is with that? He says, I'm going to have to operate. So I went, so have you had out to eat? I went, no, I said, we're playing match and last were dinner time. So he says, well, the surgeon says, you're not going to do it well the next day. We'll give you some tea and toast. So I had a bite of toast. Didn't even have a sip of tea. We'll do it tonight. He needs to win tonight. I've just had a bit of toast. Well, we can't do it. So they took me in bed. They took me up onto the ward. They took me in bed with my kit on, Mansfield Town kit on. <laughs> Shin pads, no boots. Shin <laughs> pads, mud, yeah. <laughs> mud on my legs and it left me in bed till next morning. Next morning, they came, uh, took me down to the theatre. Kit still on. <laughs> <laughs> took me down to the theatre, operated. Came back from the theatre about four hours it took. Came back, uh, I couldn't feel my hand. So they came to do my observation that I said, I can't feel my hand. So he says, fetch doctor, we have to take me back down. I had to take me back down, another three and a half hours, because of trauma inside, we had to leave it open, leave my arm open. Uh, and what it were, they'd stapled it. For it to bleed inside, they, they left it open and uh, got elastic bands going across like that. And every other day, they were taking me up and down to theatre to tighten elastic bands to get my arm back together. And after a week, it wouldn't go back together. It couldn't get the skin gap back together. So I had to have a skin gap off me, off my thigh. They transferred me to Park Hill. Is it Park Hill? Out towards Nottingham. Park Hospital. Yeah. Uh, about nine o'clock on a Thursday night, uh, surgeon came to see me. He says, I'll have you down as quick as I can. An has come to see me. Uh, he says, right, we're ready for you. Took me down into this small room before the operating theatre. It's like full of nurses and everything. And Eve just come through and surgeons just said, Mr. Perks has just said, if we haven't got enough skin, good skin on your leg, can we take some off your cock? <laughs> so I looked at him and I went, I looked, and he's full of nurses and women, I'm thinking, Captain of Mansfield Town. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, there's loads on there. <laughs> Next minute, I'm out. Three o'clock in the morning, back in my room, nurse comes done with the observations. She went, oh, I'll just check your wound. I'm half asleep by that. She pulled the sheet back, I got blood all around there. I went, you're fucking joking. She went, where's that come from? I went, I ain't got a clue. It that blood down there to make it look as though he took it off my cock. 
is a gospel truth. Oh, surgeons have a oh, sense of humour. Honestly, I absolutely shit myself. <laughs> oh wow, Ian, it's been fantastic listening to your stories uh, of your time at Mansfield. Thank you very much for coming on. Just before we go, obviously. We know that you like to keep an eye on results. Obviously, this season, as we speak now, there's one game to go. Yeah. Um, it's basically shit or bust. We've got to win to get in the playoffs and hope either Lincoln or Coventry fuck up. Yeah. Personally, we all hope that they do it, and I'm sure that you will uh, as well. This season, though, uh, been a bit turbulent. Do you know anything of David Flitcroft? Because I'm sure it's sort of similar area, sort of. Bars and sort of way you must have known people in the game who sort of know of him or yeah I don't know him uh, personally I know Fooch uh, he was a very close friend of Richard Butcher who was a sadly passed away yeah, yeah. Uh, was a good lad I, I just hope that you keep the faith with him uh, obviously coming at a bad time after losing Steve Evans I don't think Steve Evans was the right match in the first place. Um, I mean, when when Mansfield were having troubled times in the conference, and they fetched Cox in oh, at the time, I didn't think it was the right choice. I think we should have gone for Daryl Clark with Steve Burr as his assistant. We'd have loved. I think we'd love that now, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I would as well. Uh, I'm not sure whether David's the right appointment, but at the moment he's the man in charge. You've got to stick with him. You've got to support him, and hopefully get you up. Um, when I did my arm, I think we were second or third in the league, and then obviously I couldn't play, and then we ended up just outside the playoffs in eighth position. Horrible place to be, isn't it? Just yeah. looking at everyone else and thinking, what if? What mm. if? What if? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we can do it, but you rely on other people as well. Yeah, certainly are. And you mentioned Evans there, and you know a little bit of him and in more in particular as we like to call him his mate Dodgy tell us a little bit more about your past encounters with Mr Evans and, uh, and Paul yeah, Rayner yeah I mean I played against one of Kestrin when him and Steve was at Boston uh, he's not one of these characters you like he, he, he can not lie through his teeth and kill his grandma uh, and his sidekick Paul Rayner another one who I've never never realised he got Stuart Watkins sent off when we played Cambridge uh, and Skip ended up chasing him down the tunnel trying to batter him <laughs> <laughs> so like when, when he's uh, when he, one of his own one of his own players then obviously leaves a bit of taste in your mouth hmm, certainly does Ian thank you very much for joining us tonight Go on, I, you I was just going to ask you one last question would it be like in your time at Mansford who has been like the best player you've played with oh that's good and perhaps maybe the worst as well. That's good. That's good. Uh, you make a fantastic cricketer. You've stumped him. Bowling <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stumped. I like it. Oh, it's hard to say. There's been some good players. It, they might not even be a name, but they've worked their absolute bollocks off for the team. Some of the players. I mean, like like your Bobby Assles and and. Uh, but like Stevie Harper he, he went a left bike but he played left bike and he'd tear up and down that way and put some right balls in so I lost it he were, 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 were hit and miss sometimes yeah. he, he had a good game and then like it were terrible and he were like why couldn't you play like you know like you did last week this week so Daniel Clark were a good player yeah he were 
when you've got your strikers Lee Peacock Steve Whitehall Chrissy Greenacre I'm, I was just going to mention him because I, I, yeah, yeah. I can read Nathan's mind yeah. he, he wants to I'm sure you want to ask about yeah. Chrissy Greenacre don't you? I didn't actually realise um, you, you played with him actually but uh, yeah. he's actually used my inspiration to actually get into football he's been my number one player all the time when Who's I was that? When I was a kid, I was uh, on the street. I was, you know, when you pick your player that you're going to be that day. It was always yeah. Green Acre. And when I when I went out to play for England in the European Championships, uh, dropped yeah, that one in there, didn't he? Go. The only condition that I'll do it is if I get number 10, and uh, so they sorted it out because I wanted to, to have Green Acre's number. So yeah. he's always the main spread. Thanks for him on Facebook. Uh, he's only just come out, hasn't he? So, I've, uh, I'm not not just yet, but I've seen him on there. I've been thinking, oh, do I send him a friend? Because I'm a bit scared. Oh, I'll, I'll message him. I'll message him. him. Well, yeah. I've sent him a friend's request. He's not replied. I've sent, well, that, yeah. Yeah. sent me one earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's my hero. I think well, when, it, when it was on Facebook, that was coming on. He sent me a message saying, "Good luck, absolutely brilliant." Is he still? Oh, that's a bit of investigation. Is he still abroad? He's in New Zealand. Yeah. Nice. I mean, to me, you've got a bit of money travelling. I mean, so, oh, I'm all up for going to New Zealand. You know what I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah. Metro Matters in New Zealand. Yeah, but I'm road trip. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not playing for you guys. I'm just going myself. So if you like, can just borrow your kit and, and that, that's all good. Sorry. Sorry. And I thought we were friends. <laughs> that seems like a very apt place to, to leave it there tonight. Um, Nathan, obviously you've listened to Ian's stories tonight. Eyes opened a little bit over things of Mansfield Town's past and a bit of an insight to the dressing room. What do you think? Eyes open. Right. Sorry, um, mate. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah it's going to be a different I didn't mean to. I've been Completely different outlook and uh, open my eyes a lot. You know, no, honestly, it's um, been a pleasure having you. Sort of, say, Thank you. Great said, and, uh, you know, like I say, it's just been really nice to sort of fill in that, that gap just before we came in. Uh, I feel like we know more than I think probably what a lot of people would have done. You would watch on the outside. It's, it's great to hear the experiences and. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Si, you obviously was the, the person who said, right, when we got this together, we all sort of put names and we wanted to come in straight away. You said, Ian, you said you were friends with Ian. Yeah, like, Ian Bowling's just added me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, guys? Yeah, do it. So, you know, I appreciate, you know, your time coming down here, all the way from Doncaster. Yeah. And, uh, you know, give us an insight because I bet you Bobby Assel's stories will be slightly different to Ian's and... Yeah. As we go along, they're all going to be quite different, so it's interesting to know what happened. And we certainly want to find out about those size 12 and 13 trainers. Yeah, we do. They yeah. were so fantastic. <laughs> well, if you've enjoyed watching Ian's uh, stories and listening to them uh, today, make sure you donate to the Outside Society. The link will be in the description. And we'll be back next week here at the Cafe Lounge. Thanks to them for the fantastic hospitality that they've shown us um, to sit down and have uh, a trip down memory lane uh, with uh, a man who's obviously played with Ian, Mr Bobby Hassel, and a man who is, you know, not bad for a, a, another fellow ginger, is he? So, you know, we always look forward to getting fellow gingers on the show. Get the ginger cat up by, uh, by another one, can be on the camera uh, and me. My thanks to uh, Nathan H, to Simon Mercer, and to Cam Felton, who is behind the camera and doing the audio desk and everything tonight. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast for the fans, by the fans, we've taken a trip down memory lane and it's only fitting that we leave the last word and your uh, final message to the Mansfield Town fans uh, to Mr Ian Bowling. Keep the faith, support the club in every way you can. John and Caroline have worked wonders with the club and the community and the, and the town. Hopefully everything will come true. Good luck.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.